Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Si, senor. Wake up, America. It's Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and our studio producer, Sarah Tofoya. Thanks so much for joining us wherever you may be across our great nation, across America. It's an honor and it's always a privilege to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Wednesdays, I always take a brief moment uh, to remind you to pray to sing. St. Joseph. Never forget St. Joseph. He is a powerful intercessor. Go to Joseph. Today is also the first day of the week of prayer for Christian unity. This octave uh, culminates next Wednesday on the Feast of the Conversion of the Apostle St. Paul. Now, this Friday marks a historic day for the pro-life movement. It's the first March for Life since the overturning of Roe v. Wade last summer. In celebration of this victory and continued efforts uh, to protect all human life in every state. Join the March for Life in spirit this Friday with hashtag fast for life. Take an active part in the march from your home or from your office by praying and fasting, uniting your prayers with the March Pilgrims for the protection of the unborn. Now, how are uh, folks uh, participating? Uh, Check out uh, Bernadette uh, from Woodland, uh, Washington. Uh, She writes to us, I will spend more time in prayer and less on video games. Jeff from Eden Prairie, uh, Minnesota writes, I will be following the traditional fast guidelines of a single full meal and no eating between meals. Denise from uh, Cordova, Tennessee says, Praying the rosary together with my husband, uh, which uh, cannot Uh, which we cannot seem to do. Our goal will be to do it on the 20th and start once a week, uh, then work up to every day. Uh, Outstanding efforts by uh, all of our listeners. So join us this Friday for hashtag Fast for Life. Uh, You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash fast. Want to bring in uh, once again our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories in the headlines this hour? Well, John, the tragic war stories keep flowing out of Ukraine on the heels of a Russian missile strike on an apartment that killed over 40 over the weekend in Dnipro, Ukraine. Comes word of a helicopter crash this morning that killed at least 18, including the interior ministry of the country. He and eight others, including the first deputy minister and state secretary on a helicopter that went down just east of Kiev. Uh, three children among the many killed on the ground as this helicopter crashed uh, into or near a kindergarten. So more, more tragic news out of Ukraine this morning. It is a, a, a terrible tragedy, and uh, it, it's always uh, very uh, sad to hear about children dying uh, on the ground. And it's just a continuation of, of, of tragedies uh, and suffering that has been going on for now coming up to uh, almost a year. And next month, it'll be a year since uh, this war in Ukraine. I know this is something that the, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, uh, prayed about uh, this morning at the Wednesday audience, and uh, he's been doing uh, for a long time since he consecrated uh, Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, last spring. Peace is something that we ought to pray for. And uh, I don't know, maybe the leader of Russia needs to find another word for peace to to better understand that. And, uh, and thankfully, there 
you know, there there is a place to find other words for words we're thinking of, Sarah. Yeah, it's uh, the thesaurus. That's it. Okay, yes. And, and luckily today is National Thesaurus Day. So if you don't have a thesaurus, you can always go out and grab one. I'm sure the library has a copy. But you can also Google thesaurus.com. And did you know that when you're expanding your vocabulary, it's actually shown some positive health results. So there's actually, you know, your mind is getting stronger and you're exercising that muscle. That's never a bad thing. I was thinking of some of the words that we just use just continually. We never think of anything new like, how are you doing today? Fine, fine. We always say fine. There's so many other words we could be using there. So I was actually using the thesaurus today to kind of think of what are some new catchphrases I could throw out there instead of just I'm fine. You could say I'm I'm first rate or I'm doing satisfactory or capital, which is a word we don't really use very much in that capital. context. I'm, I'm excellent. I'm doing excellent. I'm capital day, isn't it, Governor? You know, it seems like we should be using it in a different context. Even Teddy Roosevelt, famous for saying bully, you know, I'm doing bully and doing bully good. You know, it's a word we don't think of, but you can use <laughs> one of those today. What do you think? Words matter. Speaking of capital, coming up in a few moments, we're going to be talking about uh, capital sins <laughs> with uh, Father Marcel Tyone or, or uh, the seven deadly sins. I wonder if there is another alternative word for pride. I'm sure there is. Yeah, you look it up in the thesaurus and you'll let us know. All right. Well, I. Uh, I don't have a physical thesaurus with me today. Obviously, in this day and age, you can do it online, digitally. But I still remember the days when we used to bring the physical thesaurus to school so you could look stuff up. And it's important when you're taking those tests that you and writing those papers that you have more than just the same old, same old. So you have to set yourself apart. Most kids have probably never seen an actual thesaurus. Hey, could you look one up for me with your thesaurus handy there, uh, Sarah? How about uh, another word for supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Wow. What? That one's not registering. It's probably too many letters. You know, the thesaurus <laughs> hasn't caught up with Disney yet. But one day, one day, it'll catch up. All right. This is uh, great fun. Appreciate it, uh, you two, uh, Sarah and Glenn, as always. We, uh, we be- begin every hour here on Morning Air always in prayer. First things first, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings to the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can always find us on Twitter as well as on Facebook at Morning Air is the handle. You can uh, send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. We love to hear from you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, back in 1946, Pope Pius XII, in a radio message to the U.S., said, 
quote, the greatest sin of our generation is that it has lost all sense of sin. How relevant uh, those words are today in this day and age. Uh, As we try to get to know and understand more the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, you may have heard of the seven capital or deadly sins. Do you know they're called capital sins because they engender other sins or vices? What are the deadly sins that are the most dangerous? Joining us live is our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tayon, with much more understanding the seven deadly sins. Father Tayon is the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island. He has served for over 10 years in vocation ministry for Our Lady of Providence Seminary uh, while being the chaplain of Bishop Hendrickson High School, and he's a longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air regular contributor. Good morning, Father Tayon. Thanks so much for joining us. It is always a blessing to be with you. And likewise, hello and good morning to everyone today. And uh, it's a good topic to have as kind of Lent's creeping up the calendar just a few weeks away. So I think uh, this topic is a, a refresh, a refreshing reminder for us to start thinking about Lent, where we kind of want to eradicate sin from our lives and build virtue and charity. Um, and so the, the seven deadly sins or the capital sins are, a, a, again, in the old days, I think our grandparents studied them, knew them all by heart. Uh, today, again, your comment there that what the Holy Father said, that we've lost a sense of sin. If we don't have a great sense of sin, we don't need a Savior. You know, it's ironic, but uh, I think obvious, but maybe one of the reasons today people aren't so religious at times is they really, you know, the society, our, our secular culture has you know, really doesn't emphasize sin, and so we don't need a Savior. And then even in some extreme cases, sins have actually been exalted as the op- opposite in definition in the culture. So, you know, where some acts of violence can be thought of as charity, with abortion issue and other things like that, it's really, it's kind of a an upside-down game. So it's good for us to cover this today. I think, uh, you know, we have seven sacraments. We also have seven capital sins or deadly sins and uh you know, I know you guys talked about pride, and we hear a thesaurus conversation this morning. Um, the word pride, you know, a lot of people think today uh, in the virtue sense, like sort of, a, you know, courage and all that. So the deadly sin of pride is not that. But St. Thomas Aquinas said this was the mother of all sins, uh, meaning that it's the root cause of all sin. And it's really probably a better, I know you guys were trying to think of other words. I, I think uh, self-idolatry or vainglory is one I like, uh, where you know, one is the center of our own world. We have to fight that from our baptismal life um, and to eradicate pride. So pride, I think, is of all the seven deadly sins, it's sort of at the root of all of them um, and the root of all other sins. So it's something, something. you know, it's great. If you're listening today, have you ever confessed having the sin of pride? You know, and I think it's something we all struggle with. So it's one of those, it's the most common sin. And also, I think one of the most people underrated today, un- unnoticed. So it's, it's good to start our program with that. No question. Uh, pride, vainglory, uh, being self-consumed uh, is, is uh, the the, uh, the mother of, of all of, of the other uh, sins. Uh, I wanted to r- run through them real quickly, and then we're going to talk real briefly about each one of them. Obviously, uh, the, the, the first one here uh, is pride, but there's also lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, uh, wrath, and envy. So uh, I think starting with pride is is a good way to go. And, uh, you know, there's different order of how uh, these uh, uh, seven deadly sins are are, um, are remembered. But I think uh, to start with pride is a good way to go. 
No, it is. Again, the most important, the mother of all vices, the mother of all sins. Again, Thomas Aquinas, who has a great, a, a very human system, right? The 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 Dominican way, if you will, of virtues and vices. It, it's a very human, very tender, very gentle uh, understanding of the human person and situation. And it's also when we try to decrease our vices or our sins and increase our virtue, it, it's a it's a way to not get discouraged if we're failing at not radical changes right away. So I encourage everyone, I think, uh, you know, maybe again, with all these, these seven, with pride, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, anger, and envy, or wrath, you know, what maybe for Lent, again, we'd want to sort of be honest with ourselves. Gee, Lord, show me, Holy Spirit, teach me which one of these, uh, which which of these seven sins, where, where are they kind of holding me down, holding me back, possessing me, instead of being possessed by you, Lord? And maybe you want to free me from some of these uh, in the upcoming weeks in our Lenten retreat, even starting today. We can start now to kind of just self-awareness. Sin, self-sin awareness is a great place to start. Again, it's a good primer for confession, but these sins are you know, are a challenge to all of us at different times, so we need to need to pay attention to those. Um, obviously, I think the second sin, lust, is, is something uh, people um, can relate to very easily, again, in, in the modern age with social media, and we know that even at, at a younger age, people are having trouble uh, with lust at a very early time, which can really affect the, the development of someone's brain and mind, uh, affect relationships and self-worth and self-image as well. So, so there's always, you know, and that that's also, it's not just sexual pleasure, but lust is also concerning uh, an over of overtly attraction to money or to power or fame. So we can lust after being liked by everyone, lust after uh, money or power with people. We have sort of feel powerful around other people, and, and that's not from the Lord either. So again, uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, sin, one of the capital sins. So and I think a way to to think about that one is we want to like have our eyes uh, be trained to look for beauty. You know, sometimes I, I find when something so beautiful, you see a sunset or a sunrise, a, a true painting that is beautiful, um, artwork or music or is it beautiful? All these genres of that we do uh, to entertain ourselves. You know, when we go to a movie. Is it the movie we're watching have beauty in it? Really, character development. Is it beautiful or is it sort of? So recently, I mean, <laughs> someone asked me to watch a movie the other day, and it was just so uh, distressing and depressing and kind of a, a fatalistic depressed. It was such a not beautiful movie. The character, all the characters were selfish and full of pride and, and just really was not a, not a good scene, not, not something that lifted up my spirit. Um, whereas uh, other things we do, I, I think it decreases that lust. I want to kind of feed into our eyes and our minds things that are beautiful. So do we take time to do that? Do we over, you know, attentively do that? Gluttony over consumption of food or drink? Um, I think, you know, called temperance, right? The kind of we don't want to abuse food, alcohol, tobacco, even medicine. We want to make sure that everything is done within prudence and reason. Again, I love, I love the word prudence because prudence is, uh, you know, the mother that keeps everything in balance. So, prudence. Are we are we prudent in our decisions? What to eat, when to eat, um, who to be with. You know, where where do we spend our time? Do we spend time with people that need our love and our service, not just uh, the ones that we love? So there's that. Um, there's uh, greed, which I think everyone probably 
understands that pretty easily. Um, again, we don't have to have a lot of possessions or be super wealthy to be greedy. We could, you know, in the old days, I remember, uh, you know, we used to have paper routes back in the day before there was digital media, and I would go around with my brother, and we had a paper route in, in the uh, neighborhood. And I remember one of my friends had a paper route, and his mother, mother and father made him give half his money to the missions at the parish, which I thought was scandalously beautiful, but my parents hadn't thought of that. I never told them. But again, was I, you know, you just think, could I have done something more with that? But in other words, not the amount that we have of our possessions. We don't have to have a mansion uh, and be super wealthy to be greedy. We can be greedy with a dollar. It's, it's, a, it's a disposition. Is everything we have come from God? And then we have sloth or jadia or cedia, some people say, a really like a, a disinterest, uh, sort of not kind of a laziness towards spiritual matters and spiritual growth, uh, things we do. Sometimes uh, people have this when they have to go to school or your your things we have to do that we don't enjoy doing. Do we do we sort of, can we get to a place where we flip over into a, a laziness, especially around spiritual things? Sometimes, uh, you know, people do go through dry periods with their their prayer life or their their religious practices and piety, and that that's normal. Um, but what do we do with that? Do we not fall into sloth? Anger and wrath, here's one, right? We've got to be really careful. Um, we all experience the feeling of anger, uh, but we don't want to, again, don't want to get into vengeance or hatred. Remember Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. He said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Some of the most beautiful words of Scripture that our Lord said, but some of the hardest to live, depending what's happening in the relationships in our life or situations. So I want to make sure that, that we're not overly angry and sometimes need to kind of take that to prayer, take a deep breath before we respond to someone. And certainly, I got good counsel on that the other day. Something happened and someone said, hey, Father, take, take, wait a minute, don't respond yet. Take take a break. And it really helped. I think it helped not go into that capital sin. We all have that little and big ways. And then envy, um, really, this is easy to recognize, right, in ourselves. Sometimes we, we think uh, everybody's got, everybody's happier or uh you know, kind of an envy for other people's situations, possessions, or even their happiness. Someone has a great marriage or a great relationship with their children or a great practicing family or good health. They have, um, they seem so well-liked by people. I want to make sure we give glory to God for that and we're grateful for that and don't fall into like a jealous envy. Um, again, the devil's envy is what obviously uh, tempted uh, Adam and Eve, the devil was tempted uh, had envy for God's love and goodness and generosity, um, took down Adam and Eve and all of us with them, uh, but we've been restored and saved by Jesus. So and a nice way to think about this, too. Think about Mary, right? Talk about Mary. We talked about Joseph. It's Wednesday, Joseph Wednesday on Relevant Radio. You know, let's look to them for how they fought these temptations, right? Now, Mary was full of grace. Joseph had some grace. But I think some of the saints have struggled with some of these. They've Some of our most famous saints have have had a horrible experience in failure with some of these seven uh, capital sins and then really had had a rebound, a, a conversion, a success. And I think even they can be encouraging us. We want to ask Mary to pray for us and Joseph, but also some of the saints can, they've really struggled with some of these things. And, and it's great that we know about that because we shouldn't get discouraged and uh, fall into shame, but into conversion uh, around these capital sins. So it's a great, great topic for today. Again, I think it's a, a pre-Lenten warm-up, so we're in the batter's box for Lent, so let's take a look at these seven, uh, you know, these these seven sins and, and see where we can 
let's identify them in ourselves not to be discouraged, but let's kind of make a bit of a plan, I'd say, to even take one on with, with virtues and vices of mentality. And I think we can, can do some good for God in ourselves in these days. And Father Tyone, I think if we're going to get in that batter's box and take on these uh, seven deadly sins, I think it, it really begins uh, with the uh, antithesis of pride, and that is humility, which is something that we learn from the Blessed Mother in particular, because, uh, uh, you know, if pride is the mother of all the, the uh, capital sins, then humi- humility is the answer to just about everything, because if, you, if we humble ourselves and, and imitate the Blessed Mother— you, you can't go wrong. I, I, I remember, I think it was St. Irenaeus who said that the knot of disobedience of Eve was uh, untied by the uh, obedience, the yes of, uh, of Mary, of the Blessed Mother. Amen. That's a great point. We don't have time today on this show, but it's, uh, you know, you make a, a pride, right? It's the, uh, the opposing virtue, prominent virtue is humility. You know, lust is purity, right? Purity. So we almost can make the list of the opposite exactly. of, the, of the virtue. So then we can say, I want to be attracted to be more humble, to be more pure, to be more, you know, we can kind of go down the list more generous, more peaceful. Um, and so that's a great point you make. I think you, you bring up a great point. Let's let's discover the virtues and pray about them and try to practice them. And these will fade back. So that's that's a great point. I think glad you brought that up before we close up here. That's that's great advice. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, uh, Father Tyone, as always, I really appreciate uh, your uh, spiritual direction, uh, your perspective, especially on on this issue. I think this is fascinating, and it's it's a good time here at the beginning of the year uh, to think about this reality of sin, because uh, as uh, Pope Pius said way back in the 1940s, they had forgotten about sin back then. I think we've lost that sense of sin even more in this uh, day and age today. And we remember one last thing is uh, when Catholics, right, they always say Catholic guilt, Catholic guilt, people throw that at us sometimes. And, uh, you know, when we when we practice these these virtues and have the grace of the Holy Spirit, we never fall into shame, but we fall into forgiveness by God. So that's the key, right? Let's not go into shame. Let's go into forgiveness, conversion, and, and love. And that's the Catholic life. So so that's why we, we the more sin we see, the more grace we receive. So it, it's not, uh, we don't get crippled by shame. That's not That's not what this is all about. But thanks so much. Thank you, Father Tyone. Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air contributor. We need to take a short break when Morning Air uh, continues. Personal success coach Dave Duran will be with us uh, to tell us about five ways to encourage others and why we should do it. So stay with us. We are headed down the stretch as Morning Air con- continues here on this Wednesday on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Wednesday morning. 
Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from 2 Corinthians 6, 2. The Apostle St. Paul writes, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. As Catholic Christians, we need to understand that our salvation is a process. It's a race like a marathon and not a sprint. St. Paul reminds us that we were saved by grace and faith in Christ. We're working out our salvation in fear and trembling, and we will be saved if we persevere until the end. So today is the day of salvation. Let us begin, and we always pray with great confidence. Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888-914-9149. We're going to talk about encouragement. Uh, there are a ton of verses uh, in the Bible about encouragement. Just uh, one uh, that comes to mind, uh, Psalm 31, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. And there are many, many others. When accomplishing goals or working on our New Year's resolutions, we sometimes just need someone to encourage us uh, to just do it. Someone who shows us different ways to uh, that they uh, believe in us and that they support us. Uh, it just makes it so much easier uh, to go after a, a particular goal or a New Year's resolution. Joining us live from, from Fort Myers, Florida, is our longtime morning air contributor and personal success, success coach, Dave Duran. Uh, he's going to share uh, different ways to encourage others and some of the reasons why we should uh, do it. Dave Duran is an author, speaker, and executive coach. He is the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and a founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. You can follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Good morning, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you on another Wednesday. Hey, John. Great to be with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a beautiful day, and it's a beautiful day for encouragement. Without a doubt. I'd, I'd love to get your take on why you think that, uh, that people, just everybody, needs an encouragement at some point or another. You know, I think that, well, there's a natural reason. There's a supernatural reason. Uh, the natural reason is quite simple. Um, we are wired to go in the direction of good. Uh, there, you could tie that to a supernatural thing, but we are, we're wired that way. We are, we're made for goodness. And so when somebody points to us and says, goodness is happening, you're on the path to goodness, or you're capable of goodness, it lightens our heart. It makes us uh, joy-filled. It reduces our burden, and it moves us closer to taking action. It feels good. Uh, because we're, we're, we're literally, we're literally made to be perfect. Now, God is the only one that can actually accomplish that in us, but we have to participate with Him in order to get there. And encouragement is, um, is, is a, a friendly push toward good. You know, I, I think back, you know, when I was first starting out in broadcasting, some of the encouragement that I got uh, from uh, some uh, colleagues and people that I looked up to, I mean, it really, really fires you up. It helps you when you hear from other people that, hey, you've got what it takes. You have uh, what it takes to, to, to do whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. And you know what? We have to take that further, too, because even when you break down the word, right, to encourage, right? When we are oftentimes weak, when we don't feel like we can get something done, we start to have doubts. We start to lose fortitude. We start to lose courage, right? And somebody else is basically infusing something into us, and that allows us to say, well, I can do this, and it emboldens us in many different ways. So it's such a powerful thing. Without a doubt. So let's talk about uh, some of the ways that we can encourage others. What, what do you think is the first way? 
Well, they're, they're simple. You know, the thing about an encouragement is not that difficult, actually. It just takes, it takes loving others. And what is love, right? It's to will the good of the other. And when we love somebody, we're going to look at them and we're going to say, where are their insecurities? Where are maybe some of the weaknesses that they need to overcome? Uh, where are the doubts that they have? And we're going to want to encourage them. The easiest and first way to do it is to smile and acknowledge them. Because when people feel invisible, when they don't feel noticed, when they don't feel significant, and you know, you could argue against that saying, well, isn't that pride? No, it's, I mean, yeah, it can be. Anything, um, you know, disordered can be, but you know, God wouldn't have made us if we were not significant or important, <laughs> right? And so to be made unimportant or insignificant is to be, you know, is to feel against what purpose we were made for. Now, that's even when you think about the litany of humility, right? One of the reasons that we're asking for this humility, which is basically to become insignificant to a certain degree, is because there's a mortification to that and because there's a raising up of who Christ is in that. And when we actually accomplish that, we don't have the disordered need for feeling important. We have the ordered need in feeling important. And we actually need less encouragement when we have humility. I think it was uh, Dale Carnegie who uh, used to talk about, uh, you know, success. And one of the things that he recommended was uh, acknowledging other people's uh, first names, uh, the importance of, of, you know, that somebody's name is, is the most important word in the English language to that person. If you combine it with a smile, I think that's a great way to go. Absolutely. There's no doubt about a smile, a name, an encouragement or, you know, an acknowledgement of their name, a nod. These are things like, yeah, like I see that. I see I see what you're doing. I get that. A little thumbs up, a way to go. You know, uh, it, it matters. And uh, and and I, I think that, you know, just like it's a waste to hoard compliments or good words. I'm not talking about flattery, but I'm talking about encouraging words. It's also a waste to hoard a smile or a nod uh, or, you know, some sort of gesture which says, I see you, I acknowledge you and, and, and keep it up. There's something about a smile that lights up the room. I, I just had this image of Magic Johnson back in the day uh, with the Lakers with that big smile. He just showed the, the joy and the love that he had for the game of basketball. Oh, yeah. And we see that in so many different people. One of the things that you don't ever hear is somebody say, what I loved about them, what was so encouraging about them is that they were always a downer. They never smiled. There was no joy in their life. They didn't provide any energy toward anything. And this doesn't mean that we need to be super highly energetic. I mean, you know, it's so funny because, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, when St. John Paul the Great, when he was uh, uh, alive, he was dynamic, obviously, and he could be very dynamic and, and had a lot of vitality. But I remember um, in his days where he was diminished in health and couldn't really, you know, he couldn't energize like he used to. He was walking with a cane and he had like tapped somebody with this cane with just this like this this grin, this smile, this wink, which was like it was almost like, uh, you know, um, persona Christi, right? Like I just I feel I just feel, I feel God through this person, just like we're all supposed to do, right? Do we see Christ in you? And to the degree that we have a role that is significant and we represent that, it's even a bigger thing. And the, the young people, I can still remember, uh, would respond, uh, JP to, I love you. We're going to take a, a quick 
break and, and come back. I want to invite our listeners, if you have uh, any, any thoughts on the importance of encouraging others, if you yourself have been encouraged and it made a difference in your life, we'd love uh, to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Dave Duran. Um, you can be part of the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short time out, reestablish contact with Dave uh, as uh, we uh, continue here our conversation uh, with uh, our uh, executive coach, personal success coach, uh, Dave Duran. Stay with us. There's much more to come. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Those are the words of the Apostle St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 as we continue to discuss encouragement uh, with our personal success coach, Dave Duran. If you have any thoughts uh, on encouragement, how important it's been in your own life, we'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Dave, uh, before the break, uh, we were talking uh, about how encouraging it was uh, to see uh, Pope John Paul II, even in his uh, later years, as frail as he was, he found a way uh, to encourage others in his own way. Yeah, he did. I mean, it's a remarkable thing to uh, see how he was able to do that. And I think we have to remember, too, that when we encourage people, we encourage people according to the role that we're in as well. And, you know, when you're, when you're a person who has authority uh, and you provide further encouragement, it's very intense. I remember I learned this, um, you know, maybe even 20 years ago uh, in my career, there was a gentleman who had done well and he was 10 years my, my junior, but he had done well and he was giving a speech in front of a pretty decent audience. And he had mentioned, hey, the, the reason that I did this is because I met with Dave one time and he said, I believe you can do this. And I didn't remember the conversation. I remember people. I would talk to a lot of people. It was, it was a time in my life where I had tons of meetings. And I remembered him. And I remembered knowing him. But I didn't remember the particular conversation that he was having. And I know that may sound like I, I am insincere or whatever. I'm, I'm human, so I didn't remember this particular thing. But, but it made an impact on him. And the reason that I'm pointing this out, even though it uh, carries with it my own personal flaw of not remembering this conversation... Um, we have to be aware of what we're doing to encourage or discourage people because people are keying in on things that we might not even remember. And that sort of thing matters. So especially if you have authority with somebody, you want to be very uh, careful to uh, be uh, uh, powerful and positive in the ways that you encourage. You have a number of ways to encourage others. Let's talk about a, a second way that we can do it. Identifying a specific and personalized reason that you can have success or that they can have success and share with them. Um, I remember one time I was with a, a guy who would always say, you're awesome. And, um, you know, he'd sign something, you're awesome. And it really made you feel awesome. It was like, wow, you know. And, um, and, and then I was with him at an event where I, I, I spent quite a bit of time with him, and I noticed that he literally provided the same exact compliment the same way to every single person. And it got to a point where I recognized, you know what? It doesn't matter if he knows this person, doesn't know this, know this person. 
find the, finds them to be effective or successful or not. He just simply calls everyone awesome and it had a diminished value. Now, I'm not saying that we, we can't have kind of a standard thing that we're comfortable saying in a greeting or something like that and general encouragement, but encouragement is most effective once you penetrate a surface level with somebody to have a particular thing about it. Hey, John, I want to let you know that one of the things that I really love about being a contributor to the morning air show with you as the host is that you always plan ahead and it makes me more organized. And in fact, I noticed that because 48 hours ahead of time, you have your great staff of Gabrielle and Sarah, you know, tapping me to get this stuff done and organizing my thoughts. Well, that's a very specific, deliberate and fact-filled form of encouragement, which you can absolutely know holds value because it is providing all sorts of details, which you do for the purpose of, of, of goodness, and it's noticed, as opposed to, hey, man, you're great on the air. Well, that's also nice, but, you know, if I see 100 radio hosts and I say, hey, man, you're great on the air, you're going to feel maybe a little average, aren't you? <laughs> absolutely. You know, Dave, I'm, I'm just reminiscing of, you know, situations uh, when I was a, a young guy where I was encouraged by someone. And, you know, this has nothing to do with broadcasting. Believe it or not, you know, when I was a kid, I loved baseball. My dream was to be a major league baseball player. That's why I became a sportscaster later on. But I remember when I was 13, a, a White Sox scout said to me, son, you have major league hands because I was a really good fielder as a kid. Couldn't hit worth a lick, but I was a great fielder. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that. It's something that stuck in my mind. The fact that I did have that ability to, to play defense and had a really good glove and uh it's part of why i've been able to pass on the love of the game to my now uh 15 year old son joseph yeah those are huge things and by the way the discouragement that happens at those ages is something that we should all re-examine when somebody says you can't do this or you're not uh good at that it can have the equal negative effect as opposed to the encouraging side of things where somebody gets behind and says hey you can do this now by the way the other thing that's important that we remember is is prudence and reality in this whole thing. I mean, to say to a young person that cannot sing, has zero rhythm, uh, and, you know, is tone deaf that they're going to be, you know, the, the greatest musician on planet Earth and they've got a gift is not fair to the kid. Likewise, if you were like me and you had a difficult time throwing the baseball, I, I was so bad at baseball, John. You want to know how bad at baseball I was? <laughs> Let's I, hear I won it. the spear. I won the spear. I won the spirit award, John. That's how bad I was at baseball. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The spirit award is held for the kid who's got a good attitude, but really can't get any else done. So that was my baseball career. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, uh, there are other things that I did, other things that I was good at, and not being encouraged in baseball because I wasn't inclined toward baseball was just fine and fair. And it provided an opportunity for those kids who were good at it. So we have to remember that encouragement comes with a certain responsibility, a certain reality. Um, and we also would say that it, it's, its opposite is discouragement. But discouragement is something that we have to use very selectively. Yes, we should discourage people from bad behaviors, no doubt about it. But what we should do, more or less, is encourage the great behaviors, and that's the power that really, really uh, gets us there. It's kind of like, yeah, the fear of the Lord is a super important thing. It's awe and wonder, too. But, but yeah, and it's the beginning of wisdom. And to fear hell is a really good idea, <laughs> a very good idea. But really what makes us saints isn't so much the fear of hell as much as it is the love for Christ. And so encouragement is more like, the, the, the side of loving Christ, whereas discouragement is kind of more the fear of hell. It's a lesser thing, but it still holds value. 
Okay, I know you have a few more uh, ideas on encouragement. Uh, what's another thing that we can do? Well, let's remind them how much stronger they are than they know. This takes a lot of effort, by the way, because most of us actually per- personally feel weaker than we are. So it might take your strength to jumpstart somebody else, literally like jumpstarting a battery. You have strength. You've got some momentum in your life. Your battery's running. Your engine is running. Theirs just died. Okay, it can run, but the battery's dead. It can't get started. So you just provide a little bit of energy. You jumpstart that. Now they've just siphoned off a tiny bit of your energy only to get started. And on their own, they're moving and they're operating uh, uh, well again. So it's like motivation and inspiration, right? We, we can't be the motivator of somebody else uh, or the motivation of somebody else. We can jumpstart motivation. We can inspire. But at the end of the day, they own that for themselves. And if we just, if we give them the idea, we, we let them understand, hey, there's more strength in you than you probably know, then good things are going to happen there. What about uh, encouraging uh, people who have a lot of problems, a lot of issues in their life? Well, this, I think, is a really important one. Whenever we feel exceptional, in other words, oh, well, um, the reason that that rule doesn't apply to me is because my situation is so exceptional and so easy to do that. You know, well, you've never been hurt like me. You've never been betrayed like me. You've never had the challenge that I do. My life is so much harder than yours, blah, 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 blah. We have a tendency to give ourselves a pass on bad behavior. Now, I really want to be real about this. Circumstances like that can absolutely, without question, create difficulties in people's lives that lead some people towards sin where others are not because of their life circumstance. You know, listen, if you've got money flowing through your uh, view all the time without supervision, well, you're probably going to have the greater temptation to do something wrong with that than a person who never actually interacts that way with money. Same thing with pretty much every vice that exists out there, right? If you're a very beautiful person and constantly people are telling you how beautiful you are, you're probably going to be more inclined to vanity than a person who's not getting that compliment. I mean, that's just the life circumstance. But um, so there's a reality to it. But at the same time, it doesn't give us the pass. It doesn't make it okay. It might make it harder. Okay? Uh, and we might even have a, a, a mildly reduced sense of culpability because of the circumstance we're in. But we don't get a free pass. And we always have to fight toward perfection no matter where we are. Now, this is also the same when it comes to the struggles that we have. You know, trying to provide for yourself, trying to make a career, trying to build relationships, uh, trying to educate yourself, trying to fight through health and wellness, all these different types of things. But our problems are actually our friend. There is not a single job that was invented on planet Earth that did not provide a solution to a problem. Now, sometimes the problems that exist shouldn't be problems and people are providing products to people to solve a problem of sin. You know, in other words, hey, you need to sin more. That's your problem. Go sin more. That's a big, big problem in all of itself. But most of the time it's, hey, you know what? We need somebody to hold the door, make people feel better in this circumstance. We need somebody to clean the floors. We need somebody to do a marketing plan. Why? We don't have a marketing plan. We need people here. Why do they need to clean the floors? Well, the problem is they're dirty. (laughs) Okay. So every single thing that we do is to solve a problem. So our problems are our friends and we can't be afraid of them. We need to embrace them. I think it was a, a, a sales director who once said, uh, there are no obstacles, only opportunities. He called it the double O approach. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the ways that people look at this sort of thing is, is to, you know, to, to be ultra positive about it. Now, at the same time, too, one of the reasons that that wording works is because you can say, I have a problem. So now we have an opportunity. Or the world has a problem. There is a need for refrigeration. Nobody has invented that yet. 
and there's not a lot of access to ice, so let's refrigerate something. I mean, it's that classic story, John. You probably heard it before. I'm not even giving the example there. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, centuries ago, uh, two uh, merchants were sent by their companies to China, and they said, uh, you know, to 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 look at the shoe market. And one of them reported back and said. Um, uh, the shoe market's not going to work here. People, they don't wear shoes like we do. It's just not, it's, this isn't the market for that. And the, the second person reported back that this entire market needs shoes because nobody has them. And so which way do you look at it? How do you see it? And being able to see something uh, with the right lens says that this problem provides opportunity. But it is still a problem, and that's okay. Great story. Half empty or half full. Uh, you're the final way here in, in our final minutes. Well, we have to help them identify progress. Uh, most of us are very bad at identifying our own progress. We can identify other person's progress. You know, uh, people say, oh, I'm not very good at Sure you are. You're great at that. And then simultaneously, they often go, but I'm not. And the other person goes, no, you're the one who is good at it. And it's just kind of this funny thing. Listen, we, we have to, first of all, I would just tell people to take self-agency on everything we're talking about. The, all the things that I'm talking about are great for somebody to provide to you in encouragement and for you to provide others in encouragement, but they're also very important for you to say, I need to take self-agency and identify my own progress where somebody else is not identifying it. But in the meantime, if we're leading people, guiding people, befriending others, hey, let's help them identify their progress. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate your encouragement uh, here this morning. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks, John. Dave Durant, co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is a classic called Pearls. Jenny was a bright-eyed, pretty five-year-old girl, and one day when she and her mother were checking out at the grocery store, Jenny saw a plastic pearl necklace priced at $2.50. How she wanted that necklace... When she asked her mother if she'd buy it for her, her mother said, Well, it is a pretty necklace, but it costs an awful lot of money. I'll tell you what. I'll buy you the necklace, and when we get home, we can make up a list of chores that you can do to pay for the necklace. And don't forget that for your birthday, Grandma just might give you a whole dollar bill okay, too. All right, Jenny agreed. Her mother bought the pearl necklace for her. So Jenny worked on her chores very hard every day. And sure enough, her grandma gave her a brand new dollar bill for her birthday. Soon Jenny paid off the pearls. Oh, Jenny loved those pearls. She wore them everywhere, to kindergarten, bed, when she went out with her mother to run errands. The only time she didn't wear them was in the shower. Her mom had told her they would turn her neck green. Now, Jenny had a very loving daddy. When Jenny went to bed, he'd get up from his chair every night and read Jenny her favorite story. One night when he finished the story, he said, Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know I love you, said the little girl. Well, then, give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls, Jenny said. But you can have Rosie, my favorite doll. Remember her? You gave her to me last year for my birthday. And you can have her tea party outfit too, okay? Oh no, darling, that's okay. Her father brushed her cheek with a kiss. Good night, little one. A week later, her father once again asked Jenny after her story, Do you love me? Oh yes, Daddy, you know I love you. Well then, give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. You can have ribbons, my toy horse. Do you remember her? She's my favorite. Her hair is so soft, you can play with it and braid it and everything. You can have ribbons if you want her, Daddy. Oh, that's okay, said her father, and he brushed her cheek again with a kiss. God bless you, little one, sweet dreams. Several days later, when Jenny's father came in to read her a story, Jenny was sitting on her bed, and her lip was trembling. 
Here, Daddy, she said, and she held out her hand. She opened it, and her beloved pearl necklace was inside. She let it slip into her father's hand. With one hand, her father held the plastic pearls, and with the other, he pulled out of his pocket a blue velvet box. Inside the box were real, genuine, beautiful pearls. He'd had them all along. He was waiting for Jenny to give up the cheap stuff so he could give her the real thing. So it is with our Heavenly Father. He's waiting for us to give up the cheap things in our lives so he can give us beautiful treasure. Isn't God good? Are you holding on to things which God wants you to let go of? Are you holding on to harmful relationships, habits, activities, which you've become so attached to it seems impossible to let go? Sometimes it's so hard to see what's in the other hand. But do believe this one thing. God will never take away something without giving you something better in its place. Matthew 13, 45 and 46, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Really do appreciate it. In this new year of 2023, let's try to go to daily Mass, if you can, and pray the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Thursday on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is warming up in the bullpen.